Hi guys, welcome to the second episode of Forgotten Books, the podcast where I bring you books that were favorites long ago, but which have vanished from our memories over the years. I am the greedy reader, and like my name suggests, I read voraciously. I love talking about books, and this podcast gives me an excuse to talk to you about my favorites. If you have anything to tell me about books or feedback about this podcast, or if you have a forgotten book that you want me to talk about, please contact me on my website www.thegreedyreader.com, or else you can message me on Instagram where I am the greedy reader, and we will have conversations. Now. Let's move on to the forgotten favorite of today. The book I have chosen is The Far Pavilions, written by M. M. K. I fell in love with it when I read it for the first time, and then I kept rereading it at different stages of my life, and each time I was delighted. You know, this is like a warm safety blanket for me because I know its landscape intimately. I know the characters. I know what they're going to do. It's like I'm coming home after a long time, and I'm meeting people that I love. I was very clear that this would be one of the books that I would talk about in the first ten episodes of Forgotten Books. Another reason that I love this book is that my amma also loves it, and we have long conversations about far pavilions, about our favorite characters, about moments that we liked. You know, amma has a, a lovely little balcony uh, in which she has plants, and she has a green thumb, and I have a brown thumb. So you know, extra reason for me to go and spend time there with amma. So we sit there and uh, we have these lovely conversations, okay? And so far, pavilions for me is extra special because you know it's a part of so many of my precious memories. So now I will tell you a bit about the author. The far pavilions was written by M. M. K. or Mary Margaret K., a British author. She spent the first ten years of her life in India, and then she went to England. And this uh, experience of hers is reflected in the life of our protagonist of Far Pavilions, Ashton. M. M. K. started her career by illustrating children's books, and then she went on to write very, very popular novels like Shadows of the Moon. And then she wrote a series of detective novels set in different countries. And her husband had a job which, you know, took him to different countries. And each time he was stationed in a particular place, she would write a book about that place. So that is M M K, and then when she was seventy in nineteen seventy eight, she published the Far Pavilions, which became a worldwide bestseller. In fact, in November twenty nineteen, BBC News had listed this book on its list of hundred most influential novels. So that is the pedigree of Far Pavilions. It's a big book, okay? I mean, it's almost nine hundred and fifty five pages. But I really didn't mind because there's so much to read, and you know I felt so comforted, and I just didn't want it to end. Actually, it's this huge, big saga, you know, sweeping tale of deep passions, and there's this huge canvas and brilliant descriptions, and so it was marvelous, you know. So now, what I want you to do is sit back, take a mug of coffee or your cup of tea, leave all your worries aside for some time. and come with me into the world of ashton the story of far pavilions takes place in india during the mid 1800s and just before 1857 when the sepoy revolt happened in india and our protagonist is ashton hillary akbar pelham martin who is affectionately called ash his father hillary was a 
British botanist and explorer. He was always in some, you know, interior part of the country and he used to love spending time away from people. And Ash's mother also was insanely in love with her husband. I mean, they had a very short married life and there was a huge age difference between them. And in fact, when Ash was born, his mother died in childbirth. So he was left with his father. And Hillary did not have a clue what to do with the baby. So he just left him with uh, the wife of one of his camp followers. So that lady's name was Sita. And Ash had a very, very unconventional upbringing. So I'll do one thing. I'll read you a couple of lines uh, from the book. And this will give you a fair idea of Ash's unconventional upbringing. So, quote. Sita would tell him stories of her home in the north, among the great ranges of the Hindu Kush. Tales of glaciers and avalanches, of hidden valleys where the rivers teemed with snow trout and the ground was carpeted with flowers, and where fruit blossoms scented the air in spring and apples and walnuts ripened in the lazy golden summers. In time, these became his favorite stories, and Sita invented a valley which was to be theirs alone, and where, one day, they would build a house of mud and pine wood with a flat roof on which they could spread corn and red peppers to dry, and a garden in which they would grow almond and peach trees and keep a goat and a puppy and a kitten. Neither she nor any other member of the camp spoke English, and Ash reached the age of four without realizing that the language in which his father occasionally addressed him was or should have been his native tongue. But having inherited Hillary's ear for dialects, he picked up a number of tongues in the polyglot camp. Pushtu from Swabgul, Hindi from Ramchand, and Tamil, Gujarati, and Telugu from the Southerners. Though he used for choice the Punjabi spoken by Akbar Khan, Sita, and Dayaram. He rarely wore European clothes, since Hillary seldom stayed in places where such things were obtainable. And in any case, such garments would have been entirely unsuited to the climate and camp life. So, unquote. So, this is the kind of life that Ash led when he was a baby, when he was a toddler. And shortly after that, tragedy strikes the camp and Hillary dies of cholera. The entire camp is struck down. Sita escapes and she decides to take Ash to the Delhi cantonment where she knows that Hillary had friends. And Hillary, just before he died, gives some documents to Sita to prove that Ash is his son. So Sita sets out for Delhi with Ash, with baby Ash, four, four-year-old Ash. And uh, as she nears Delhi, she somehow feels that things are not right. It is, the year is 1857 and revolt is sweeping across the land. And on reaching Delhi, Sita finds that it's, it's a mess. You know, it's, there's so much of confusion. Britishers are being hunted down and killed. And the person to whom she has to entrust Ash has been murdered by the sepoys. So Sita quietly escapes from there and she realizes that it would be disastrous if it was found that Ash is a British English boy. So she flees with him. She goes from village to village. She stays in hiding. And she keeps traveling until one time she reaches this very, very interior independent state called Gulkot. And there she decides to settle down because she feels that things are becoming peaceful in the country and she can pass off Ash as somebody from the northern part of India. So Sita starts uh, working in a shop in the bazaar and uh, Ash also, you know, starts going to the stables nearby 
where he starts helping the people in with their horses and uh, one day uh, ash happens to rescue the young prince of gulkot from an accident which is actually an attempt, attempt on his life so he ends up as a playmate of that prince and sita too gains employment in the palace and this is the second phase of ash's life where he lives completely as an indian child the descriptions of life in that palace the people there the intrigues politics within the family all this is written so beautifully by the author you know you really feel as if you are there and then ash befriends anjali anjali is a little princess who is totally neglected because uh, she is a half caste her mother is a foreigner her father is the raja but since her mother is a foreigner she is completely rejected by the other wives these two children form a very strong bond ash feels very protective about anjali then there are the other princesses that this prince lalji and princess sushila and all of them form this group of friends but ash and anjali have a special bond at the age of 11 ash overhears a conspiracy against the young prince but in the process he is also seen by the conspirators and ash knows that his life is in danger he goes and he warns the prince and the prince is saved but ash and sita know that they cannot stay there any longer and they quietly escape from gulkot so many years have passed and by the time sita is ill and she knows that this is something that she cannot you know carry on much longer so uh, on their journey away from gulkot she confides in ash and ash comes to know very important things about his life two very important things about his identity one that sita is not his mother and two that he is a britisher now these were two things that ash could never have thought about because he had always thought about sita as his mother and he had always identified with the people around him with the children around him it comes as a big shock to him and he refuses to believe her initially and she convinces him that you know he has to go to the nearest cantonment and she does not have too many days to live and after sita passes away ash goes to the nearest cantonment like she had told him and there the officer in charge verifies the papers and you know he is shocked to know that this little urchin is actually the son of hillary martin and the nephew of a popular officer william ashton so matters are taken out of ash's hands and uh, plans are made to send him to england where an uncle of his is still alive so ash is not at all happy with what is happening he just wants to stay in india he does not want to leave india because india is home for him and he does not understand what everybody is talking about and uh, he does not want to go to england but he has no choice and ashton is sent to england to be with his uncle and aunt and also to complete his formal education and before leaving the commandant tells him that if he goes to military college and passes out with flying colors he can always come back and join them and that single thought is what keeps ash going throughout the next so many years it is the worst years of his life he hates it in britain he hates it in england you know so many years of utmost despair for ash when he is being molded into an englishman he hates the coldness of the people around him the stiff upper lip the weather which is always gray there are no colors around him there's no noise around him you know things he had got used to while he was in india there are no warm hugs there are no brilliant smiles that you know he used to get from people around him other people look down on him for being different for speaking different for looking different and there is so much of meanness and unnecessary cruelty when he goes to a public school so all in all ash is thoroughly disappointed ash is thoroughly sad and completely in despair 
but this thought of going back to india is what keeps him going and he excels in sports he ex- excels in horse riding he excels in shooting and that gives him a little bit of leverage among his peers later he passes out of military college and joins as an officer of the corps of guides stationed in the northern frontier in india and at last ashton pelham martin returns to the land which he calls home but he quickly finds that his sense of self is torn between his newfound status as ashton an english sahab and ashok the native indian boy he once believed he was he's a mix of both east and west in which is uncomfortable for him and for the people around him they don't know how to deal with him so there is this old man called kodadad you know who is like a father figure for him even earlier when he was there he manages to find kodadad and he tells him that you know quote there will always be two people in my skin which is not a comfortable thing to be and kodadad responds that you may discover in yourself a third person who is neither ashok nor pelam sab but someone whole and complete so unquote so these are the things which uh, you know ash finds very valuable uh, reassurances like this and then he slowly starts settling into his job his other problem is that his sympathies firmly lies with the indians and this is something his superiors and the officers around him find very strange so he's constantly at odds with them you know and he realizes it's both a blessing and a curse to see and understand multiple viewpoints and to sympathize with more than one outlook in a world ruled and dictated by prejudice from all sides one time ash's unit gets into trouble when they're posted in afghanistan and ash is given the responsibility so he's suspended from his unit for a short while and as punishment he sent off to escort a wedding party two princesses have to be taken safely to their bridegroom's kingdom okay it's not as easy as it sounds because the wedding party is huge in fact it's as big as a small town there are around 8000 people 500 camels 25 elephants and innumerable horses and the, because of all this the journey will be a long slow one stretching across many months so this is the next phase of ash's life when he went, goes and joins the wedding party he takes charge and in the process he suddenly realizes that the two princesses are none other than sushila and anjali of gulkot the name of gulkot over the years had changed to karidkot and that was the only reason that ash did not realize what he was getting into he goes there and he starts seeing familiar faces he sees the faces of people who he knows had plotted to kill a prince once but none of them recognize him and over time you know ash falls completely in love with anjali with his grown up princess anjali but anjali is not aware of who this person is then ash reveals his identity to her you know but he knows that you know he cannot take his feelings forward because she is the sister of a raja she is the betrothed of another powerful raja so he just cannot do anything about it and moreover even though he confesses his feelings to anjali anjali is also very clear about her responsibilities and her duties she is very protective about her younger sister sushila sushila is the pampered princess and she is going to be the first wife of the rana of bithor while anjali is going to be the second wife because she is a half caste so uh sushila is petrified of marriage she loves all the pomp and ceremony and she loves being pampered but she is petrified of the thought of marriage 
and that is the only reason that anjali agreed to be the second wife and to go along with her so she does not want to leave sushila come what may and that really frustrates ash so he takes the whole wedding party to bithor and uh, he has to stand aside and see anjali being married to an old lecherous king and after all the ceremonies and after all the duties and responsibilities ash returns back to his cantonment returns back to his duties life goes on until 2 years later ash receives an urgent message that the rana of bithor anjali and sushila's husband is dying and the plan is to burn both these princesses on the funeral pyre as satis Ash is completely taken aback because he just cannot stand back and see this barbaric practice being followed. He also cannot think of this as being Anjali's fate. So along with a few trusted friends, he rushes to Bithor. He manages to rescue Anjali, but not Sushila. The whole incident is a huge mess. There is a lot of deaths and Anjali has to go into hiding and uh, uh, Ash brings her back. there is this very difficult phase for ash now because he wants to marry anjali and she also in the end agrees to marry him but so many obstacles anjali's brother is a king and uh, he will definitely not let this happen not only because ash is an englishman but also because anjali is a widow so the next part of the book is the journey towards each other journey of ash and anjali towards a life together and also finding out more about each other unlearning a lot of things that they had uh, thought about each other and uh, understanding who both of them truly are and in the middle of all this ash is again posted to afghanistan to spy for the british because these are the initial days of the second afghan war so when i read it earlier long back this was one part that i found slightly dragging but now in the current situation i feel that you know this will give a lot more clarity to how this all started so again coming back to the book there's an uprising in kabul many lives are lost and ash just cannot understand the futility of it all why people are so cruel to each other ash also cannot understand why governments play with the lives of people and the ridiculous decisions that are taken by people who sit in an office and are not aware of what's happening on the ground so ash and anjali decide to leave everything behind and go in search of their dur khaima or the far pavilions which which is what they've always called the himalayas you know so again i will tell you something about this i will read from the book for you about what why they want to go to the far pavilions or the himalayas you know this is a place the dur khaima is something that ash had become aware of when he was in gulkot and uh, ash and anjali used to look towards the himalayas uh, the mountain ranges the majestic mountain ranges in the distance and they always used to think about it as a refuge for them so when things are in a total mess in their lives they decide to leave everything when they cannot make sense of what is happening around them they just decide to leave everything and go to the one place where they think they will get peace so i'll read this couple of lines from the book for you and uh, but what ash is telling another person about the dur khaima quote let me say rather that we hope to find it we go in search of some place where we may live and work in peace and where men do not kill or persecute each other for sport or at the bidding of governments or because others do not think or speak or pray as they do 
or have skins of a different color. I do not know if there is such a place or if we find it, whether it will prove too hard to live there, building our own house and growing our own food and raising and teaching our children. Yet others without number have done so in the past. Countless others since the day that our first parents were expelled from Eden. And what others have done, we too can do. Unquote. So that is the story of Ash, Ashton Pelham Martin and Anjali. That is the story of Ash and his journey towards the one place where he hopes to be accepted, where he hopes to live without being judged and where he wants to live in peace. And uh, that was The Far Pavilions for You, written by MMK. I really hope that you enjoyed this book, the story of this book, and I hope that at least some of you would want to pick this up and, you know, take a journey into the world of Ash. I really enjoyed taking you there, you know. It is such a beautiful journey for me. And when this book was released, it was so popular, it became so popular that it caused even travel agents to devise tours of the locations featured in the story. Then there was a massively popular mini-series adaptation, then there was a stage musical adaptation, so many adaptations of the story. But somehow I feel nothing can do justice to this vast canvas, this huge, uh, hugely intricate, layered story. Nothing can do justice to it other than reading it. So... Beautiful people, my beautiful people. I hope you guys had a good time in the world of Ash. And um, if you have anything to tell me, anything to tell me uh, about this episode or the previous episode or anything at all about books, please write to me at my website www.thegreedyreader.com or you can message me on Instagram at thegreedyreader. And please, if you like this, if you want to keep listening to more and more uh, forgotten books, subscribe to this podcast and keep coming back. I love having you guys listen to what I'm saying about books. My most favorite thing to talk about. So till we meet again next week on the next episode of Forgotten Books with the next forgotten favorite. Have a beautiful, amazing time. Bye-bye.